Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 436 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre and also your co-host. I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of her latest book, which is The Wolf's Howl. How are you, Al? Well, I'd have to say, like, I've tried really hard to pump myself up, but I feel <laughs> we are. I feel we are at fair to middling level. Really? Uh, I think so, yeah. That's pretty okay. much where we're at. It's a bit hard to be anything else at the moment. It's kind of, I'm on, like a big day for me is an outing to the post office. Yeah. And, you know, the boys have started their school holidays, which feel very oh. similar to when they were, you know, at school. I mean, technically, mm. uh, book boys finished high school, you know, <gasps> technically. Um Wow. But he's got to go, well, they're hoping that they'll get to go back to, you know, for for one last week to graduate because mm. they, it's, honestly, it's the biggest anticlimax ever to do all of that hard work and then not mm. even get to go, hooray, you know what I mean? Mm. Like it's really difficult. Um, Yeah, so we're, look, I'm just swimming in a pool of fair to middling. What about yeah, you? Yeah, right, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, you know, I've had ups, I've had downs. Oh, really? <laughs> Tell us about your ups. Ups are uh, good. Okay, ups are, so I've been, as you know, um, I have a garden now, so I've been spending time in the garden <laughs> and I've been pruning and it's amazing what you discover when you prune. We can bring this back to writing too, by the way. So Ooh, okay. pruning, um, just to tell you what's happening in my garden, I pr- we pruned this particular area and discovered this entire birdhouse sort of buried in the bush. So that was not very – that was kind that had been let go a little bit, that area. Let go a bit, yes. Not as much as this other area where we pruned and I discovered (laughs) what the pruning revealed was an entire – I'm not even joking, I will send you the photo for evidence – an entire stand-up paddle board. What? Not even joking. <laughs> so you got a, a free stand-up paddleboard with yes. your house. <laughs> yes, a free stand-up paddleboard. What kind of state is it in? It's okay, actually. I mean, it's not, you know, brilliant, but it's fine. It's completely usable. Oh, that's um, hilarious. So that was, you know, a nice surprise. But so editing your garden exactly. is where we're going with this. <laughs> When you get rid of a lot of the fat in your writing, some you let the gold emerge. You let the stand-up paddleboard out <laughs> of captivity. It's true. It, it is, is true. true. It's so true. And the interesting thing, I wrote a I wrote a blog post about this years ago um, about how gardening and editing were the same thing because mm. I find with gardening, particularly when you're like a, when you're new to pruning, for instance, mm. you, you you kind of like you're really tentative and you'll just be like a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit there, and then you realise that you've actually you know you've got to take off a whole chunk of something yes. that's really not very good, so you get rid of that, and then you realise that you've actually got to go harder on the whole rest of it until you actually mm. do a proper job. So you go in and you're like little bits and pieces, but now. Like you should see me prune roses. I am, I am a rose pruning beast. I am just like <laughs> we are, we are cutting that sucker back as far as we possibly can because wow. I know that if I do that, then that is the best way to get, you know, the spring and summer blooms out of them. So, um, and I'm like that with editing now as well. I am not scared anymore to just chuck stuff out get rid of it yeah right yeah well Mm. it's and and I think it's a really good exercise because so often we're so attached to our words 
that we really feel that um, it's it, we, we just can't bring ourselves to chuck them. But the important thing is just save another version and you can keep your original version and then go to town with the editing. Don't just kill your darlings. In some cases, kill your darlings and your, you know, people who you are remotely fond of and <laughs> bits that you're remotely People you've fond. met once. <laughs> No, but remember we talked about this in I think it was the last episode we were talking about relocating your darlings or maybe yes. the episode before. Um, so that that is a great tip for for new people like beginners because if you're editing something for the first time it is very hard to let go even of the person that you've met once. So mm. you just need to put them into another house for a little while, you know, because then you can always go back. I mean, you never will, but you can. Um, I'm actually editing at the moment. I I've given up. Um, I've had a terrible book hangover after the after the book launch of The Wolf's Howl um, and I've, I wanted to – I've got a great new ideas that I really wanted to get into and I just have found, you know, circumstances have been such that I have not been able to just do it. So mm. I instead have pulled out a manuscript that I wrote, I don't know, 18 months ago. It's actually at third draft stage already mm. um, and I am – having another go. So I've I've printed it out and I have have got my highlighter, got my mm. pencil, got my sticky, you know, my sticky notes and <laughs> I'm ready to go and I'm going through it again. And the interesting thing about it is that I haven't read it for 18 months and mm. I read it. And I read it with some trepidation. And I got to the end of it and I was like, you know what? This is actually a lot better and in mm. a lot better shape than I thought it was. Um, but I could instantly see because I had not read it for a long time. There's mm. one major scene in the middle of the book, always the middle of the book, um, on which a whole lot of stuff, you know, hangs mm. and it's not right and it's confusing and I was confused reading it and I could totally understand why someone else reading it would have also been confused. Um, and what leaving that gap has allowed me to do is to read it like someone else wrote it. And I've never been able to do this very well. Um, The only way and the best tip I have for you, if you struggle to kind of put things aside and, and, you know, then come back to them later and stuff, because that's the best tip you can do with editing is not to try to go into it straight away. Um, So my best tip is write at least three other manuscripts. (laughs) Yeah, right. Okay, that's a lot. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, if in my case, there have been three manuscripts written since I last looked at this one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it does make a huge difference to how you read something. You do come at it in a totally different way. Um, yeah. So maybe you just need to have a rest with your gardening now that you've discovered your stand-up paddleboard. <laughs> Lie around in your hammock for a while, see what grows, and then go back to it. <laughs> I wish I had a hammock. <laughs> you need a hammock. Everyone I needs know. a hammock. Yeah. I'm wondering where I can put one. Anyway, so yes, there you go. That's what's been happening. Um, so right. shall we move into the world of writing and publishing, Al? Well, we probably should. I feel like we've just done a deep dive well, there into the shrubbery, but bit. okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, I heard a writer, I, and I must confess I can't remember who, um, but I okay. was. I heard a writer earlier this week of something that I was listening to um, who was saying, if you've done a lot of research for your book, don't show off. Now, I think that this is really, really relevant because, um, for example, uh, I read a, I was reading a book written by someone who is quite well known and who obviously did a lot of research into this particular country in this particular era and so on. 
because obviously that's when the book was set. And that kind of research was necessary. But I also, when I was reading the book, I also did kind of feel in certain passages, oh, he's, he's that, oh, I've just said he. Ooh, <laughs> anyway. you're giving it away. <laughs> he's, he's just putting it in there because, you know, he'd spent a lot of time researching it. Is it really. A, relevant to the story, maybe, maybe not. You can't determine that till you finish the book. But mm. B, was it woven into a part of the story where it made sense and it was just a seamless – the, the reader learnt about it in a seamless fashion? Mm. So there are some instances where you read novels and you or, you know, read books and you just get that feeling – Oh, they just really wanted to show that they did they all this research. They just wanted to let us know right? that they knew that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it trips and, up the story. And what I do find, though, I was thinking about this the other day, um, was that I actually find that if the person has had a um, background in print journalism as opposed to, well, maybe other journalism or not at all, they're actually less likely to include all the guff because they're good at research but actually they know that they over – most print journalists over-research anyway but they're experienced print journalists, over-research anyway but they know the bits to leave out. Yeah. So that's another observation that I've had of late. Nice, nice observation. I like it. Speaking of showing off, I just yes. I need to segue briefly. Okay. Speaking of showing off mm-hmm. – um, I need to know about the cosy. <laughs> we haven't had a chance to talk about the cosy, and I'm sure everyone out there is desperate to know. Did you look like Nicole Kidman in the cosy? No, okay. I didn't look like Nicole Kidman. I tried on three cosies from Earn Peace, not sponsored, U N E Peace, um, uh, because a friend of mine had those three cosies. In two of them. I did not look like Nicole Kidman. I looked like an Oompa Loompa. But, <laughs> but in the third cosy, in the third cosy, again, I did not look like Nicole Kidman, but I looked okay, you know, and I'll take okay in a cosy. Oh, it was. Too. Are you anyone? kidding? <laughs> I aspire to okay in a cosy. That's amazing. So do you want to just give some background here just in case someone's coming to this oh, for the first time? Yes. So, of course, Leanne Moriarty's book, Nine Perfect Strangers, I mean, her, her Big Little Lies got made into the fantastic miniseries. Um, her book, Nine Perfect Strangers, she's got a new book uh, out now, hasn't she? I know. Um, uh, but her book, Nine Perfect Strangers, was made into a TV series, has been made into a TV series that's out now on Amazon Prime, starring Nicole Kidman, Bobby Cantavali, Melissa McCarthy, Samara Weaving, you know, lots of fabulous people. And Nicole Kidman... Um, plays the it runs a wellness resort and in this particular scene she's wearing this really cool cozy so investigated it and discovered where who sells this cozy it's this these people in Queensland I think well somewhere in Australia and um, went down that rabbit hole uh, and did some online shopping <laughs> and I was found lucky that- herself <laughs> in, an, in an okay swimsuit that doesn't an make okay her look like Nicole Kidman. Or, or an Oompa Loompa. Or an Oompa Loompa, <laughs> which we are also aspiring to. Yes, All right, yes. fantastic. Okay, we can move on. We should probably talk about something seriously writing-based now. Let's yes. do that. 
Yes. Um, okay, let's talk about Nat Newman's post oh, for the yes. Australian Writers' Centre blog on six this. reasons why self-publishing should be your plan A mm. because um, I think, you know, like there's a, you know, the traditional route to publication is is often the dream because it's, mm. you know, all have, you know, it's it's kind of like, I don't know, like you want to be in books and publishing with a million-dollar deal and the whole bit, don't you? Like isn't that what it's all about? Yes. Apparently for other people it is. Um, <laughs> but you know, um, and for some people, self-publishing is a plan B, like it's the fallback route. Like if I can't get it published by someone else, then I will publish it myself. Um, but Nat uh, decided to publish her novella, The Office of Dead Letters, just right off the bat, indie publishing mm-hmm. was her plan A. And yep. she wrote this great little post for us about um, why she did that. And she's got some great reasons why you should consider it your plan A. And I think her first one is actually my favourite one, which Mm. is you will finally start. Because I think, um, you know, as she says, you know, she she dreamed of being published for as long as she could remember. She's done courses and workshops. She's done, had short stories published in journals. She's won competitions, Mm. but she'd never actually finished a novel. And, you know, mm. and not put her heart and soul into getting it published. She kind of just assumed, and I think a lot of people just do this, that it would just happen without her having to do anything about it. Like if you talk about writing a novel, then surely it will just happen. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, she was afraid to start, you know, and and I think she decided to go indie to force herself to take that first scary yeah. step. Yeah. She decided that she would you know, the fear only stops after you start, you know, as she says. And so if, you know, fear of starting is holding you back, then consider self-publishing because once you've done it, you're on your way. Yeah, absolutely. And her, she has self-published her novella, The Office of Dead Letters. I haven't finished it yet, but I've started it and I'm definitely going to finish it because it's um it's compelling. Um, she's a great writer. Uh, but yeah, it's called The Office of Dead Letters and you can get it on you know, Amazon and um, all the usual places. But I think that it's it's not just that you it makes you to start and makes you finish <laughs> because yeah. how many people do we know that haven't finished their novel but they are, they are almost querying agents, I mean, and publishers before they've finished their novel. And this, if, you're, if you've decided that you're going to self-publish, you're going to indie publish, you have to finish your novel in order to... <laughs> In order to do that, right? Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, I think it's really good. The post is definitely worth looking at because um, other points that she makes is that you will set an achievable goal, yeah? Yeah. You know, um, and because you can decide also, she decided to publish a novella, um, so slightly shorter than a novel, um, and you can also decide when you're going to do it. You're going to do it by the end of the year or you're going to do it by middle of next year or whatever it is. Um, And other points she makes like you'll be too busy to procrastinate because you've got yourself a deadline now. You need to actually stick to it, right? Well, not only that, you've just got you've got so many other things you have to do as well. Like, you know, you're going to be too busy to procrastinate. You've got, you know, if you decide to self-publish, you're not going to have time to make excuses. You you have to, you know, 
research the IBN, find the editor, write a mm. marketing plan, hire a book cover designer, yes. read everything you can about, you know, that other self-published authors have, have, have done so that you can learn from what they know. Um, there's a huge amount of stuff that you need to learn as well as writing the book. So if you're going to mm. set yourself a deadline, you've got to make sure it's an achievable deadline because it's not just I'm going to write the end the day before I press publish. There's a whole lot of other stuff that's got to go with it as well. So, yeah. you know, I guess, you know, learning to um, to be an indie publisher is like anything. It's 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 a it's a part of the job. It's a and you need to be able to um, to uh, commit yourself to learning the job as well mm. as writing the book. Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, you can check out the blog post, of course, on the Australian Writer Centre website uh, at writercentre.com.au slash blog. But it also reminds me of the episode, I know you know that I loved this chat with Brett Battles, who oh, was yes. previously on the podcast. And he, as an indie published author, consistently earns six figures, over six figures, sorry, Um uh, in and he, um, we spoke to him a few years ago, or you know, a couple of years ago. But I caught up with him recently over Zoom, just as a catch up. And he is still earning in excess of six figures. He's just bought a house. He's um, he's just carved out this great niche as an indie author of uh, thrillers. And um, he's got a whole system on on how it's done. But anyone who's interested can check out the previous the, the episode that we did with Brett Battles. And um, it was good to get an update to know that in the years since he's just basically continued on that journey very successfully. Hmm. Yes, excellent. All, All right. right. So let's see, where are we now? I don't uh, know. <laughs> completely lost track. <laughs> let's move on to our competition this week. We have three copies of Sweet Jimmy by Brian Brown. Yes, Brian Brown, as in the iconic Actual Australian actor. Right. Yes. Uh, so this is the first time he's um, writing crime in his, well, first book. Phil and Sweet Jimmy are cousins. Phil grows orchids, spider orchids. Learned about them in the nick. Jimmy likes orchids too, but there are other things he likes even more. Trish Bennett didn't like her life, hadn't liked it for a long time. Been on the streets, bit of this for a bit of that. The that wasn't always nice. Then Ahmed found her. Sam is a tea leaf, a thief. Likes nicking, anything, always has, until the day he knocked off more than the Volvo. Crime doesn't discriminate. It can happen to anyone. It could happen to you in any ordinary suburb at any time. Taut and crackling with character, these gritty, raw and sometimes very funny stories from Australian great Brian Brown are Aussie noir at its best. There you go. A book by Brian Brown. We have, and do you know uh, what? It's getting great reviews. Yes. Like really, really good reviews. I'm quite yes. keen to have a look at it. He's quite the storyteller. So you could win one of three copies of Sweet Jimmy by Brian Brown. Entries close on the 27th of September. So go to writercentre.com.au slash win um, for your chance to enter. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. Now, Al. <laughs> oh, I just I have a quiver every time I hear you say that. You know Excellent. that, right? <laughs> Excellent. Are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, yes. I'm so okay. Ready. It's deterge. That's D-E-T-E-R-G-E. Deterge. 
is it is it like the verb to squeeze detergent on things? Kinda. <laughs> yeah. Because <All right. laughs> okay. when you look at it, it looks like Duterte, you know, Rodrigo Duterte, the president of the Philippines. <laughs> but it's not. It is a no. verb and it <laughs> right. means to wipe away or to cleanse thoroughly. And it is related to detergent. So if you're going to, you know, do the dishes while you're listening to the podcast, you could say that you're deterging the dishes. You would Detergent. not say that, well, You might. You might. No one is yes, going to say, I'm they just could. over here deterging the dish. I, yeah, I will not, say it today. <laughs> not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but no. All right. If okay. anyone out there has ever used deterge, deterge in that way, please let us know. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash creative writing. All right, so let's move on to our writer in resonance this week. I'm so excited because we are chatting. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> we are chatting to Susanna Hardy. I remember the day I first met Susanna when she first came as a student to the Australian Writers' Centre. She first started out actually in freelance writing and then did other courses and moved into novel writing. So her debut novel is Loving Lizzie March. I absolutely loved it. She's funny. It's, it's a great story. It's a great character. And so, yeah, let's have a listen to Susanna Hardy. Thanks so much for joining us today, Susanna. Thanks, Valerie. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited. I am so excited because I absolutely loved, 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 loved your book, Loving Lizzie March. For those listeners who haven't got a copy of your book yet, Mm -hmm. tell us what it's about. All right. Well, it's a romantic comedy about uh, Lizzie March, the central character, who is um, a failed fashion designer uh, with a fairly whirlwind approach to dating you know, a wave in the street is as good as a first date and every guy she meets is the one. Um, she's, But yet she's always single. And she's working in a call centre um, and has had a brief dalliance with the new work supervisor uh, who's called Jake Wheeler. And after a, a very minor, innocent stalking incident, she <laughs> ends up in the emergency department at the hospital where she finds out she's actually pregnant. Uh, and she knows that Jake's the father and that he is the one for her. Uh, so she embarks on a nine-month mission to um, convince him that he that uh, she is the one for him too, uh, which proves a lot trickier than she um, anticipated. And um, everything sort of starts to unravel. Her, fa- her life becomes pretty uh, chaotic by this stage. And um, she realises that she 
probably things have to change and um, she takes a long hard look at herself and through the through what she goes through she starts to realize that you know if she does change her ways then everything she has ever wanted might be right under her very own green satin stilettos (laughs) (laughs) all right so I'm going to come back and talk more about the book itself and the Mm -hmm. creation of the book but I'd like to give listeners some context first because it's actually quite some years ago. I remember you walking into the Australian Writers' Centre yes. and I remember you doing the um, freelance writing course yes. and you subsequently carving out this career as a freelance writer. Now, can you just give listeners some context because because you were acting at the time and you decided what, one day, oh, I'm going to do acting and writing? Yeah, well, I thought um, I decided that I actually needed another sort of income as well as acting because it's so unpredictable and unreliable. And I thought, oh, freelance writing, that's the way to go. (laughs) That'll be my, (laughs) I'll earn my my fortune. Um, And yes, I did turn up to the Australian Writers' Centre and I actually remember giving you a couple of funny things to read that I'd written (laughs) and you said, yep, that's good, but you need to do feature writing. So that's what I did. And so you you started doing feature writing and but now hang on let me just let's come back to that because I mm. remember one of the things that you gave me to read mm. funny things oh, and really? it was a, yeah it was about um dating guys who don't have cars oh yes yes um why all the guys I go out <laughs> with don't have cars yeah that's <laughs> that's it. But and I think I got it published. You got it published in the Sun Herald. I remember That's that. Right. That was my first published piece. Yes. <laughs> now, um, after that, you decided to do, you know, feature writing, uh, writing for magazines and newspapers. Mm. So, what kinds of articles and stories did you write? Well, I'd because I'd always loved writing dating relationship type things like the boys with the cars and things, I thought I would be writing for, you know, Cosmo and Cleo and that sort of thing. And once I started, um, I think I was I got married, I was starting to have babies and I ended up writing about home interiors and parenting and that just <laughs> was where it fell for me and it actually – that, that's what I love to write about. So, yes, I did a lot of uh, interior magazines and um, parenting and uh, that sort of stuff as well. And then by doing a lot of interior um, home magazines, it led me to write about um, property and real estate copy and, and sort of it gave me a bit of a specialty, mm-hmm. which was and good. And so at what point did you think, oh, I'm going to write a rom-com? <laughs> well, because I think that's what I always wanted to write. But um, as you said, I needed to write feature articles if that's what I was going to earn any money. So I, I sort of let it go and and people would say, oh, you're going to write a book? And I go, oh, God, I'm not going to write a book. I can't possibly. I haven't got time. I've, you know, 800 <laughs> words. That's it. That's all I can manage. Um, but I did have this character that I really loved and wanted to do something with and I'd uh, written a theatre sort of work in progress. I'd put some scenes down on tape. I'd done different things. And then I eventually went, oh, okay, all right, all right, I'll write a book. And I probably came up with the concept by about 2013. I think that's when I sort of really focused on doing it. And um, But it took me to about 2017 because I was doing it in between all my freelance writing and still acting as well. So it was in stolen moments, you know, five in the morning or 
in you know in the my daughter's in the bottom bunk in the dark or outside a hip hop class or you know that sort of sort of thing um and yeah so it took me a while to actually get a completed manuscript together so it took you a few years to write the manuscript now in that Mm. time were you doing it I understand you saying stolen moments but were Mm. you kind of doing it consistently in those stolen moments or did you have some months off where you didn't do it at all and then you came back to it and that sort of thing yeah I think well I did it I I know I would have done it whenever I could but it might have only been sort of on the weekends or it might have been three times a week I can't I can't remember how much I did but I, I kept it going um until I got to a point where I needed some uh sort of an outside eye and then I got um, – I'd done a – actually, I did another course at the Australian Writers' Centre on how to write a, a chiclet novel, they called mm. you called it, or, um, mm. a, you know, women's contemporary fiction. Yeah. And with Lisa Heidke, who actually – I got in contact with her to be a mentor for my manuscript, mm. which was mm. great. And then after that, I went to – so that was around the sort of 2017. It was my youngest daughter had – started kindy so I had more time to look at it you know in a whole as a whole work rather than bits and pieces and um, then I went to a a professional editor um, Alex Nalos who was fantastic and that all that process was really really helpful and I sort of got to the point where then I was ready to approach um, you know publishers. Mm. So let's just come back to the actual writing part of the first mm. draft or, you know, the first couple of drafts. Um, did you, mm. you, you knew you had this character, Lizzie, who is so likeable. I mean, you <laughs> want to, and so real, you want to, I wanted to ring her up and say, hey, do you want to go out for a cocktail? You know, <laughs> I wanted to have a drink with her. Um, so, because she seemed like so much fun mm. uh, and yet very complex as well, as we <laughs> discover. So you had this character, Lizzie, but did you, when you started mm. writing, did you already know, you know, what was going to happen in Lizzie's life uh, or did you kind of just you know, write some scenes and see what happens. Yeah, I didn't really, it was more that I had this character and it was a character that I developed as an actor and had performed um, in a sort of comedy trio. So I had, but it needed to be a lot more real than Mm. sort of a sort of a comic character. Um, But I knew that she was looking for love and, you know, perhaps might find her true love. Um, but I didn't really know how I was going to go about that. And I, 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 a lot of it I didn't know. I just – I tend to write and it, it comes out of writing, you know. Yes. Um, like there's a particular character in there, um, uh, Cherie, a, a cabaret, ex-cabaret singer. Mm-hmm. And I, she was going to get into a taxi and that was the end of the scene. But when I wrote it, suddenly that all came out of it and yeah. she became quite an important part of the whole story. So – yeah, I'm not very good at planning things and I tend to write in dialogue. I just think of, oh, if I don't know what to write, I'll just write some dialogue. And um, so I need to sort of create the narrative around that. <laughs> right. But, so if you write in dialogue, do you then get that down but then come back and then yeah, edit it? I, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, 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 I won't write it all in dialogue but I just I find that an easy way to get into a scene. Um, and I might chop and change and write something a bit later because it comes to me. Like I don't have much um, order in the way I write. Hmm. Uh, well, certainly when I wrote this 
book because, yeah, I was sort of feeling my way, I guess, being the first book that I wrote. Yes. But what do you mean by you didn't have much order? Do you mean you actually jumped around or? Yeah, I jumped around a bit. Oh, yeah. like you mean different scenes and different times in Lizzie's journey? Yeah, yeah. But how did you decide where to jump to? Um, well, I might go, oh, I know how this is going to end. I'll just jump to the next scene or I want to mm-hmm. do that scene and or I'd, I'd have a scene and I'd work out where it could go and that sort of thing. And then a lot of it I would, if I didn't know where I was going, I'd go for a run. I love to run and that's where I would get my inspiration. <laughs> really? That's yeah. great. A lot of it came <laughs> from running. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's what um, Alison often says, go for a walk. I have a shower, you know, those sorts of, some people do the dishes. (laughs) Yeah. No, there's a lot to, yeah. So for that, I reckon you need to just let it sit or let, let it sort of float around while you do something else and it comes Mm. to you. And so Mm -hmm. if you jumped around and then decided at some point, oh, you know, I'll, I'll slot that scene somewhere. How did you manage this from a practical point of view? Were you writing in like a single word document or were you writing in a billion word documents or were you writing in something else altogether? No, just a single document. Really? Yeah. Wow. I still do. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I should use Scrivener or something, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you ha- you obviously knew Lizzie very well. Yeah. But as – because you've effectively played her, mm. um, but there are other characters who are really um, – you know, likeable and drawn out and, um, uh, you know, who come to life on the page. How Mm. did you do characterization? How did you develop them? Did you do that in another word document or did you do that in your head or or did you act that out? Um, No, I think it just comes as I write. I, I mean, I knew obviously her friend would be, you know, the opposite to her, but, you know, they had to find out. And a lot of the the characters needed work like um say Lizzie had to be she had to be likable but she's deeply flawed so those sort of things had to I had to sort of work on and otherwise her friend Clem wouldn't be her friend you know that I had to sort of work that sort of thing out but a lot of them I can sort of see the characters you know I can see them in my head and um they just come yeah they come through the writing as I said like with Cherie that sort of just came as I wrote Mm. And from the outset, did you always intend it to be a romantic comedy with the emphasis on comedy, I mean? Yes, yes, definitely. Right, right. And that's because? I, I just love to write funny things. <laughs> <laughs> they make me laugh. Yes. Um, and I love pushing things to the extreme because a lot of, you know, with comedy you can push it as far as, see how far you can push it and you can always bring it back. But um I enjoy that process of just things that you you wouldn't yourself do or, you know, like just standing on a wheelie bin trying to see in someone's window (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. (laughs) So do you – what's your yardstick for whether it's funny or not? Is it just purely if it makes you laugh or or do you – you know, wonder if it makes other people laugh. Well, I do wonder if it makes other people laugh. I I guess that's the thing. You just have to hope that what you think's funny – you know, other people might think it's funny too. Um, but yeah, I can really, I can't really, I don't really know except if I think it's funny, but yes, that's what matters, right? If you're just having a good time. Exactly. A lot of time for a long time, I thought, oh, you know, 
obviously nobody finds this funny. <laughs> but I always enjoyed reading it, even you know when I always I've always loved this story and yeah. the character. Yeah. yeah. So now, so then you get to your manuscript to the point where you think, okay, I'm happy with it now. I've done, the, you know, I've edited it. I've yeah. done this. I've done that. I'm, I'm ready. What happened? So then I started pitching it slowly just to different um, publishers and I, I got some good feedback, um, but a lot of it w- was that um, rom-coms are not particularly uh, popular in Australia. That was sort of an issue for, for a number of people. Um, it was also she was a, a bit of a stalker. That was a bit of a problem <laughs> for people too. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, um, you know, there were different things. but And um, I went to the Romance Writers Conference and pitched it there. Mm. And, you know, and I, but uh, nothing was really happening. And uh, once I'd, when, uh, back when I'd sent it off to be edited, I started on my next manuscript. So I was, I was sort of pushing along with that. And after a while I thought, uh, well, maybe this is not the manuscript that's going to sell. Maybe this next one will um, and in a way, I had sort of let it go. And then at the end of um, 2019, I signed with a literary agent um, because, uh, be- mostly because um, people had said, look, Australia's not so good for rom-coms. So I thought maybe if I had an agent, they could pitch it overseas. You know, that might be. And um, they offered uh, me a little bit more editorial support, which was great. And I made a couple of more decisions in that process that I was really happy about. And then like they, what? Like what? Um, it was still a little bit long, and oh well. One of the things was when she says she's pregnant, it wasn't happening in the first chapter, and I really wanted it in the first chapter. So I sort of found a way to do that. Mm-hmm. I found a way. I, there were two very similar uh, things that happened, and I managed to make it into one. Like I just sort of made right. a few good cuts that. Um, yep. And that's the, the that thing of leaving your manuscript for a little bit too. Mm. You come back to it and go, oh, my God, wow, that that's what I should do. Um, so it was just something different to try. And then in uh, – so then 2020, and it was during – when I was doing a bit of editing then, we'd, um, we'd actually got stuck in the bushfires. Oh. We went down the south coast for on a holiday and got trapped – and I, we had nothing. We had no electricity or internet or food or anything. Mm. Um, but I had my iPad with my manuscript on it, <laughs> fully charged. <laughs> and so, as my husband and I, would, we were sitting up all night with our bags packed, you know, watching the fires. I'd be just sitting there doing all my editing. Oh my and, then God. Came, and then we came back from that and went headlong into um, COVID. Yeah. Uh, 2020 and so I, you know I didn't have much hope for it with everything that was going on but it, my agent uh, started selling it in sort of April and then by the end of June I got an offer from Pam McMillan which was just amazing. So exciting oh, and I just think I, tell you. I mean I, I find it uh, I mean while I understand that some people gave the feedback that you know rom-coms is supposedly not popular um, as much in Australia this book's fantastic it's just like it. I couldn't put it down. Aww. So I just think it's um, brilliant. And obviously Pam McMillan have made the right decision because it is going so well. Yeah, so, uh, they've been fantastic. They've, it was such a great process in that year because uh, it was a year until publication. 
Mm, um, right, it, yes. It's great. Did yep. you have to do more edits after Pan McMillan got involved? There was a little bit, tweaks here and there. Um, so I had a really great editor to work with and a copy copy edit and all that sort of thing. And there was there was a little bit, but nothing huge, nothing major. It was all good, was all good, you know, made it better. So do you recall when you got the news that, uh, yes, that, yes. that you the, got a deal? Yeah, that email I got. Um, it was it was a Monday, and we we just had dinner or something. Everyone, you know, with my my husband and two daughters, mm-hmm. and I looked, and I'd had a few rejections, obviously, because he was starting to my agent was starting to send out the manuscript, and I looked at my phone and went, oh, okay, another rejection. All right, mm-hmm. just read it, just get through it. <laughs> and I was reading it, going, oh gosh, this isn't doesn't read like a rejection. It's, <laughs> Saying, oh, you know, this is all your hard work. This is what it's all about. Well done. I'm like, oh, this is really. And I was, go- and everyone's like, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I think someone wants to buy my book. And I was like, who? Who? I was like, I don't know. And I had to get my husband to read it. And he went, it's Pam McMillan. I went, oh my god. Like, it was, just, <laughs> it was the, it was the most exciting moment. One of the most exciting moments of my life. It was amazing. Oh my god. What do you mean you had to get your husband to read it? Because <laughs> I was just, I was like. I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was in a state, so so he went. Ah, oh, let me read. <laughs> oh my god, that's so wonderful. Oh, yeah. that's brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so you get the the news, which is fantastic. Mm. Now, you had already started on your next novel by then. Yes. So, yes. um, at, by that point, so firstly, what is that about Lizzie as well? And secondly. Um, where is that now? No, it's not about Lizzie because I started it and I thought, okay, maybe I'll have to leave Lizzie. I I actually wrote Lizzie wanting to write the next book. So I have another book in mind for Lizzie, but right. I left that and started something completely different. It's, it's still um, a rom-com, not quite as character-driven as Lizzie, but it's um, this one is about an actress and it's an enemies to lovers sort of romance mm-hmm. with a dog in the middle of it, <laughs> as much as I can say. Okay. Um, and that one I have – so by the time I've finished it, it's, it's, in, a, it's in a draft form, like it's, it's finished, but it's still quite first drafty. But it's, right. it's getting there. So, yeah, I'm not sure what's gonna, where that's going to go yet. So a lot of um, – w- one of the great things – there are many great things about your book. One of the great things about your book is Lizzie's kind of inner monologue, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> and <laughs> so I wonder, are these the sorts of things that go through your head? Do you – when <laughs> you know – because keeps saying, are you sure this is not about you? I'm like, no. Well, this is what I'm asking because yeah. uh, Lizzie worked in a call centre, uh, in a wine call centre. I happen to know you did too at some point. Yes, <laughs> so I know. But my husband how... wine call, call centre. Your husband worked there as well. Yes. Yes. We're there you go. Things. So you're not you're not really you know convincing either your no, husband or myself I, that this isn't about you because there's there's so many scenes, there's so many dating dates, there's so many you know um, interactions that 
where Lizzie, um, her inner monologue is, well, A, so funny, but B, so real mm. in that all of us kind of sometimes think this way as well, but we just don't necessarily admit it. And what I'm trying to get you to do now, Susanna, is admit it. <laughs> no, look, there, there is a lot of people that know me will read it and, and feel like they're just, you know, sitting in a room with me because there is a lot of, <laughs> there are a lot of things from my life, but not just from my life, but people around me as well. Like I've sort of, mm-hmm. you know, I take things that make me funny, but what I do is I push them a little bit further. So they're not, it's not real life. I mean, yes, I did work in a call centre. I do admit that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, there are, and there are little bits and pieces that I've taken, say, from that world um, and certainly things from, you know, there might be the, there might be, the occasional person out there who might be used in this book in the male <laughs> variety, but, um, you know, they might not see it themselves. But, um, you know, there's certainly things I've taken from my life, I would say, because it makes – because things, I find them funny. And, yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I'm not – I'm never a stalker. Never no, a stalker. Okay, sure. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Whatever you say. All right. So you get this fantastic news from Pan McMillan, and mm. um, because it took had taken a little while to get there, did you wonder if it was real? <laughs> oh yes, I, it took me ages to sort of believe it that it was happening, and and I had had to sort of stay quiet for a little bit until it was all sorted. Um, but I don't think I'll ever. It's such an incredible thing, such a, mm. and it could so easily not happen. You know, it's just, it just happened. It just went my way, and um, uh, yeah, I'll probably never get over it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the most um, challenging thing, or what was the hardest thing about writing this book? I think one of the biggest challenges is when you when you're writing it. It's your first book for me, and I, you don't know if it's going to go anywhere, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time and um, effort into it, and sometimes it's hard to sort of keep going, and you don't know if you're actually doing the right thing or not, or if it's anyone's going to like it. I think that was quite hard, um, and you know, it feels like everyone else is getting published around you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. um, yeah, that's sort of hard to keep going. And, yeah, when you don't know really what you're doing. Mm. And so you obviously finished this a while ago and then you started working on the second one. With the second mm. one, were you also writing in stolen moments? So, or, or had you by then carved out kind of a like a routine where you maybe wrote on certain times? Mm. Um, not – well, I would say I wrote regularly but um, – it, it usually not between working hours because I would be freelance writing then. Um, mm. So I might keep time on the weekend or I generally get up at five and do it then. I quite like early mornings. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the plan now? Is the plan to do a combo of freelance writing and fiction writing or, or yeah, what, what are you going to yeah, do? Yeah, I'll keep, I'll keep freelance writing um, but I'm, I'm now giving more time to – um, fiction writing um, because I really want. Oh, I really wanted to get this next manuscript done, and I really want to get on to writing the next Lizzie. So I'm, yes. you know, quite enthused now, and I feel yes. like I need to get on with it. 
because it. Um, oh, yeah. you have to get on with it because there's got to be the TV series, Susanna. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> got to be the TV now. series. <laughs> can't wait another. What? How long did it take me? Seven years. I, can't, I haven't got that time now. What's the most? What was the most rewarding thing about the? writing process so not the hey I got the email from Pam obviously but about Mm. the writing process itself I think the most rewarding thing was um we're probably getting positive feedback with people when they read it enjoyed the character and you know from and say my editor and people like that but you know way before I'd even had the email um that you know perhaps this was something that people might enjoy I think. And, was... Yeah. So, but but did you just sort of you mean like you you sent it to beta readers or or that or, and who... just say um, well when I had an editor do it she was very positive right. about it and um, that yeah I found that very rewarding I also just love writing I just loved the writing process of it you mm. know especially because you know often you're doing feature articles and things during the day I just it was a real joy to write that. Mm-mm. And Out so when you're writing a novel, it really needs a strong structure. Um, it needs the, the character needs to go on a journey. Um, we often hear about the three-act structure. Did you draw on your experience as an actor at all? Because you actors are very used to three-act structures. Mm. That's how plays are, you know, yeah. written. Did you – do or, I mean – did you consciously draw on any of that or thinking back on it, do you think you drew on any of that? I don't know if I consciously did because uh, it didn't sort of come so neatly together like that until I'd sort of worked out, you know, I had different scenes everywhere and there was a bit of chopping and changing. But I did. A, I do approach each sort of scene as a almost like a performance, you know, like a scene in a play mm-hmm. or a scene in a, a show. I mean, I, I didn't write plays or films as an actor I did do a lot of writing and performance things that I performed but not sort of complete plays no but Um, you were in plays and films yeah that's right so I I I sort of maybe on a subconscious level I might have you know felt that sort of that the the rhythm that you need and you know where it builds up and then you've got Mm. the end and that sort of thing I think it might come sort of in it's instinctive um, but I think this was such a different process and I just mm. – and and I really thought of it in terms of, oh, that's the baby shower scene, where am I going to put that and, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and so um, what's next for you? Well, um, I'm going to finish my next manuscript and see how that goes and then get on with my next Lizzie one and then I'll, and I'll continue to um, – uh, do my freelance writing I've you know I work for a number of different clients and do content writing and um, copy um so yeah we'll continue that to um pay the bills and finally um what would your top three tips be for aspiring writers who hope to get that email one day (laughs) (laughs) well I would say um tip number one and um, this is something I found, it's, and I've, I've touched on it too just now, this, 
you've got to just keep on your own journey and not compare yourself to others because it does feel like everybody around you is getting their, their first manuscript published. But everybody comes to writing at different times in their lives for different reasons and you just have to keep focused on your own path and um, not waste time thinking about what other people are doing. That's quite important. I mean, that comes that's for an actor as well It's or any creative process. You know, you've just got to be sort of focused on your own path, I think. Mm. Yep. Great. Um, one, that's one. Mm-hmm. one. Uh, second one, I would say, oh, yes, and we did talk about this too. Um, write what you want to write, the story or the genre you want to write, not what you think might sell. And I know mm-hmm. you've probably said this, heard this tip quite a lot, but it, I actually, you know, went through that because I found myself going, God, why don't I write, roman- um, you know, what is it, um, rural fiction, rural romance? Why don't I write that? And it's like, well, mm-hmm. you don't because you don't you don't live in the country and you. <laughs> You're a city girl. <laughs> but, you know, I, I wanted to write rom-com and, um, you know, eventually it found its place. But mm. even though people said that, it, you know, may not do so well here. So, yeah, write what you want to write. Mm-hmm. And the last one um, I would say uh, to just if you want to write a book or even be a freelance feature writer, you just have to get over yourself and write. Get Like <laughs> just mm-hmm. Get down and sit down and and get on with it because um, I found when I first started, I was working as a feature writer, but I and I, I thought I couldn't write a book. I, you know, I'm too busy. I've got young children. How could I possibly write a book? And then I noticed people around me were writing books with full time <laughs> jobs and families and you know, all sorts of things. And I had to just basically get over myself and go, okay, look, nobody cares whether you write a book or not. Mm. So just get on with it. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. (laughs) Great advice and congratulations on loving Lizzie March. It's just fantastic. Everyone should get a copy and um, so, so, so happy for you. Thanks so much, Susanna. Thank you. Thanks, Valerie. There we go, Susanna Hardy. So it was great to chat to her about it all. It's very exciting. Very I love it. Exciting. I love love seeing yes. the, the debut and she's so excited mm. and it's mm. getting great reviews and it's really yes. fun and brilliant. Love it. Love it. Can't love wait for the next one. All right. So what are you doing in the coming week, Al? Oh, Valerie, I wish I could say, I don't know, I wish I could say I was doing something, but I will just be doing pretty much the same thing I have been doing for some weeks now. And you? Oh, Oh, that no doubt there'll be more ups and downs. <laughs> Maybe I'll make more discoveries in my garden. I can only hope that you make more discoveries in your garden. I mean, if there's a stand-up paddleboard there, who knows uh-huh. what else could be there, right? I know. And mm. I'll probably be doing that when I'm not busy detergenting my dishes. There, I used it. Oh, stop <laughs> it. That is not a natural use. I, I'm not happy. That was that was forced. I don't think that counts. <gasps> okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So where do we find you online, Al? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T. <laughs> oh, see, look, I forgot my own name. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where will we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentercomau slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentercomau slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.